Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We are glad you are here. We hope that today's service, which focuses on Jonah and focuses on second chances, will be meaningful to you. Let us join responsively in our call to worship. The word of the Lord came, hope for all people cradled in his arms. The word of the Lord comes, calling us out of our comfort zones to go where grace is needed most. The word of the Lord will come, gathering all the outsiders and insiders into one community of the kingdom. unite our hearts and voices in our opening prayer. Embracing God, we confess that we become comfortable with the size and shape of our social circles. From Jonah, we learn that we are called to widen those circles because we can never set boundaries on how far your welcome, your mercy, your love, your hope will extend. Fill us with your generosity and love that we too may become beacons of welcome and compassion. Amen. I would like to ask for the attention of the children 
for the children's time. So when I was really little, when I was like five especially, that's when I most remember being this way, I was a champion pouter. I was so good at pouting. If my feelings got hurt or if I was unhappy, pout, pout, pout. And my parents would send me to my room because if I wanted to be miserable, then I could be miserable by myself. I didn't need to try to make everybody else miserable too. So that eventually kind of broke me of my champion pouting ability. But this morning we have a story about Jonah. And Jonah is a pouter and he pouts even into adulthood. God gives him a job to do. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell the people to repent because they're doing some really bad stuff. And so Jonah doesn't want to do that. Jonah runs away, does all sorts of shenanigans to get out of doing what God calls him to do. But God eventually gets his attention in a way that tells Jonah that he better go do what God said to do. So he goes to Nineveh and he tells the Ninevites, listen up, you Ninevites, you have 30 days to shape up or else, or else God is going to get rid of all of you. And uh, the Ninevites... Unlike a lot of times when prophets announced that people needed to shape up, the Ninevites actually do shape up. They put on sackcloth and ashes, which are, um, or sackcloth, which is a, a, a way of signifying repentance. It's coarse fabric, and, and it just signifies to God that they're really, really sorry. So they, they turn their lives around. They turn back toward God. And guess what Jonah does? He goes and pouts because he wanted them to get into trouble. And they didn't get into trouble because they did what God told them to do. Um, so Jonah actually goes off to pout under a tree. It was a castor oil plant which grows as big as a tree. And God said, why are you pouting? And Jonah said, well, I kind of wanted to see them get what was coming to them. And God was not happy that Jonah felt that way and said that. So God wilted the tree so that Jonah just had to sit in the hot sun and pout and be miserable. Well, the interesting thing about why Jonah was pouting again was because he was upset that all of these people got a second chance. But that's what we find in the Bible again and again and again, that God gives us a second chance and a third chance, and a fourth chance. God is always willing to give us another chance. That is a wonderful, wonderful gift to us. No matter how much we mess up, God wants us to be whole. God wants us to know that we're loved. God wants us to do what God calls us to do. And so God gives us another chance. The important thing to remember about this story is that if God gives us another chance, we also should give others another chance. Thanks for listening this morning. I'll see you next week. As we prepare to hear God's word, let us pray. Almighty God, through your only Son, you overcame death and opened to us the light of eternity. Enlighten our minds and kindle our hearts with the presence of your Spirit, that we may hear your words of comfort and challenge in the reading of the Scriptures. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the third chapter of Jonah, beginning with the first verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the first chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 14th verse. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. In the season of the church year now known as the season after Pentecost, the three lectionary readings and the psalm reading have nothing to do with each other. The lectionary tries in a cycle that runs three years to cover lots of territory, providing congregations and preachers with texts that cover the essential biblical stories and characters. In order to do so, they need a season when they can throw in what doesn't fit during the other times of the year. And while for the preacher, it makes picking one text out of four a little easier because one has four themes with which to work, I kind of like the seasons like this one, the season after Epiphany, where all of the texts are related. Today's texts all have in common that they present the call of God to participate in the work of God in the world. There are different responses. I think that I find Jonah's most compelling and easiest to understand. Jonah is pretty unhappy with the call he gets. He doesn't head in the direction that God calls right away. He runs away, tries to lose God. He tries to keep God from staking a claim on his life. He tries to chart his own course. He'll believe in God, he just doesn't want to have to do anything about it, unless he chooses to do so. 
which he doesn't. He absolutely does not want to go to Nineveh to deliver a message that will result in the salvation of the Ninevites should they choose to listen to him. To be perfectly honest, he'd kind of like to see them get what's coming to them. Now, it has never bothered me very much whether or not the story of Jonah, particularly the whale swallowing of Jonah and his being subsequently belched up onto the shore by the great fish is literally true. Every time I hear a fish story in biblical or other literature, the first thing that comes to mind is the saying, give a person a fish and that person will eat for a day. Teach that person how to fish and that person will go spend a fortune at REI and start coming up with incredible stories which bear no relationship or resemblance to reality. So fish story aside, I have to say that the story of Jonah just contains such human truth. I can understand his reactions to receiving the call of God to do something he doesn't want to do. All of us are called by God to do things sometimes that are tough to do. It's easier to hide or to hope someone else will do something or to convince ourselves of our own self-sufficiency and ability to self-direct our own lives or to run away or to run toward whatever brings us comfort. That's Jonah. And sometimes when God calls us to do things that we don't want to do or don't know how to do, that's us too. Like others in the Bible, including Moses and Jeremiah and Paul, Jonah didn't want the job when it first came. Seminaries are full of people who spent years trying to avoid God's call, knowing exactly what they were supposed to do, but deciding not to, all the while constantly dealing with that nagging feeling, that inner nudging, that push in a direction they didn't want to go. They worked at pretending they didn't hear, finding reasons why it would not work, why it wasn't for them. We read two of the four readings given by the lectionary each week. One we didn't read this week is from 1 Corinthians, and is about the call of God to faithfulness in the short term. It's not, like, uh, it's not unlike other calls from God for us to respond to urgent and demanding needs for immediate service. Urgent calls come all the time, like when United Methodists respond to natural disasters through UMCOR, or when people come by the church needing help with rent, or they'll be evicted on Wednesday, or when their cupboards are bare and they need food. We don't wait a few months to think about what we might do. Sometimes the call is urgent and requires immediate service, and we don't have time to think about all of the pros and cons of what God is asking of us. Belonging to God is not about going limp in God's arms. We're called to love and to serve and to heal and to forgive. We're called to imitate Christ and to make choices that resemble his, and often without the time to really sit down and think about what we believe and how we will act and where we will serve and who we will love and what we will do for them. Most of us prefer to do that, I think. 
I'm rather amazed by the story we find in today's gospel reading where Jesus is traveling along the road and calls these fishermen and they just up and leave everything to follow him. They get a clear call from someone they've never seen before and the four of them don't stop long enough to call home before leaving all they've ever known, their homes, their families, their jobs, to follow him. And not just one of them or two of them, but all four of them. We put ourselves in their shoes, but think we could never do it. And so we ascribe to them amazing strength and courage and faith that they could do such a thing. No, no angst, no torn hearts, no backward glances. It's, it's amazing. Barbara Brown Taylor says that, yes, it's amazing. But she says it's not a story in which the first four disciples do something heroic by following Jesus. She says this is not a hero story, it's a miracle story. As full of God's power as the feeding of the 5,000 or the raising of the dead. Think about how many of Jesus' miracle stories say something like, your faith has made you well. And then the very next thing the text says is, and immediately, and immediately. And immediately the person got up and did such and such. Well, this story is the same. Follow me, Jesus said, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. It's not a story about the power of human beings to change their lives, to leave everything behind and follow. It is a story about the power of God to speak directly to the human heart, to animate the most ordinary human life, to heal, to cleanse, to call, to walk right up to a quartet of fishermen and work a miracle, creating faith where there was no faith, creating disciples where there were none just a moment before. All of our texts today remind us not only that God calls each one of us, but that God creates us as people who are able to follow, able to follow because we can't take our eyes off of the one who calls us, even when we try, able to follow because God seems to know our hearts and what we long for the most, able to follow because we find in our relationship with, with God a capacity for love that we didn't even know we were capable of. Well, back to Jonah. God eventually did get Jonah's attention, and Jonah eventually went and did what God had called him to do. Interestingly, when he, when he shared the message with the Ninevites, the Ninevites immediately changed their ways. They repented. They, they, they turned back to God. They wore sackcloth, every one of them, young and old, exactly the opposite of what Jonah had done initially. The Ninevites were more faithful and obedient to God's message than Jonah had been to God's call. Rather than being thrilled by this turn of events, when the Ninevites turn toward God, Jonah goes off and pouts. That part of the story gets left out of the lectionary reading, but I actually think it's my favorite part. I'd like to say that I don't understand that impulse, but I do. I admit it. I felt it the last time I went to Northern Virginia when I was driving on 66, which has four lanes in each direction. 
I got annoyed because I drive in the far right lane and I drive the speed limit or just above it and invariably someone gets behind me and flashes their high beams and drives about one foot away from my back bumper and that's exactly what happened. They um, act like my driving the speed limit is a great crime against humanity. I asked a state trooper once what I should do when this happened and he said to lightly tap the brakes to get the person to pass. So that's what I did on my last trip to Northern Virginia and the truck driver did pass me but not without honking and, and sharing a non-liturgical hand gesture. He passed and immediately barreled ahead of me at about 85 miles an hour and about four miles down the road I saw that the Fairfax County Police had pulled him over and I can't say that I didn't feel just a little bit like Jonah. I guess I should have wrung my hands for him or gnashed my teeth over his plight but um, I'm confessing here, that's not, that's not what was in my heart. When the Ninevites shape up, Jonah sat down under a leafy castor oil plant to shade himself from the blistering sun and smoldered inwardly. He wanted to see them get what was coming to them. And it's an opening that God just can't resist. God causes the castor oil plant to shrivel up to the last leaf making sure that Jonah will feel no shade. And when Jonah reacts angrily that the shade tree is shading no more, God pretends to misunderstand what his big problem is. God says, here you are all upset, pitying yourself under a small castor oil plant that is shriveled up. What's wrong with having pity on a whole group of people who once were headed to toward destruction? It's one of those dry, wry, humorous responses that teaches us about grace, but which is also followed by the word gotcha. That's pretty much the theme of all of our lessons this morning, gotcha. While we hem and haw thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll respond or maybe I won't. As we contemplate God's call, God gets us in the end, but that's always a good thing even when it's a punchline. God is a God of second chances, and that's no joke. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you as you go forth into the world to respond to God's call. Amen.